It was our 10th anniversary, and I had planned to do something really nice, maybe go on a big trip, maybe go on an excursion of some kind, maybe go have an experience. And then COVID decided just to ruin everything, and I was off the hook for that. So in some ways, I dodged a bullet. But then I decided, you know what we should do is we should go to a, a really nice dinner since we can't do much else in the age of COVID. And so Brooklyn and I got dressed up, and we went out to a really nice place for dinner, one of those places that paces the courses, and it's, it's really an evening, it's an experience of a meal, more so than, than just a meal, and we sat down and we perused the menu, and then we decided what we were going to order, and it all comes out in courses, and the appetizer was brought to the table, and it was delicious, and next was the salad. Now, I'm normally not a big salad connoisseur, uh, however, it was our anniversary, and so I thought we should, you know, both order some things we liked rather than just uh, me order everything. And so Brooke, Brooke wanted to order a salad as part of our evening, and, and we got the salad. And I'm normally not one to, to go to town on a salad, but this salad was different. It was absolutely incredible, and we were just scarfing down the salad, and I'm chewing. And all of a sudden, there's something in my mouth that doesn't feel like lettuce, like and, and I take the napkin up to my mouth, and, and I, I pull it away. And, and there I pull out of my mouth a giant black hair, a long black hair. Now, I do not have long hair, and it's not black. And Brooke's hair, well, it was, it was long, but it, it wasn't black. And it was very evident that that hair did not belong to us, that that hair that was just in my mouth was, was not our hair, and we just stopped eating the salad immediately, and the waitress could tell something was, was wrong, probably based on how grotesquely I was eating the salad up to this point, because I, I was just scarfing it down, and then all of a sudden, we just slammed on the brakes, and no one's eating anything else, and, and she came over to the table and said, is everything all right? And I I pointed out the, the bonus that we had found in, in our salad, that it found its way into, into my mouth. And, and she apologized profusely, and, and they made it right, and they took care of the bill and, and all of those things. But they brought out more courses, and I was just done. I was just done. As soon as I, it's just one of those things for me. Maybe you can overcome it. You're stronger than me. It's just one of those, one of those things. If, if I've got a hair and I'm eating, I'm just done. And I know it happens from time to time, but it's just something that I can't overcome. Now, the, the hair, though it was long, it was seemingly, it was seemingly small in the, in the grand scope of things. In the size of the salad, it, it, was, it was a small thing. In the course of the dinner, out of all the courses that they brought out, one course had one hair, and yet that hair in that salad changed my entire experience. Because we understand that details matter. Details matter in life. Seemingly small things become much larger in the grand scheme of things. And that's what we're going to talk about today as we discover why details matter in our lives, as we continue our look at the Old Testament book 
of Ecclesiastes. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us in the Bible app. It's a free resource that you can find in whatever app store you utilize. And once it's installed on your device, you can either enable your locations or type in zip code 54201. There, Lakeside Community Church will pop up and you can follow along with us that way right on your mobile device. If you have a traditional Bible with you this morning, we're going to be in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And if you're joining us via the stream this morning, thanks so much for joining us. The verses will be available on the screen below as we continue our look at Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and we see why the details in our lives and the details of our lives are really significant and they really matter. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, starting verse 1, where we read these words. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Let me read that again. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Now think about the think of how overpowering perfume can be. Think of the last time that you got on an elevator and somebody just thought, you know, I'm going to give myself a couple extra squirts of cologne or perfume today and just bless the world with that. And you're stuck in the elevator with that person. You know how strong that odor is. When I was doing student ministry, I decided I wanted to give the students a vivid example of what it was like when Jesus was anointed from head to toe with a perfume. So I went to CVS and I got the biggest, cheapest bottle of perfume that they had in the store. And we, we brought it into our, to our student ministry space and we brought up an unsuspecting student. We made him Jesus and he sat there. And then we brought up another uh, student and we busted open that bottle of perfume and they poured it over his head. And that's the day I found out some people are allergic to perfume. I didn't know that until that time. Now I'm having to report no one died. And a couple uh, phone calls of apology later, everything was fine. But Believe it or not, that's the day I discovered some people are allergic to perfume. And some people were just ready to gag and throw it because it was such a strong, just such a strong scent. So think through how strong perfume is. And this idea of a tiny little fly, of the little fly, the little fly comes and it dies and it ruins that scent. It, it alters it. It changes it. It marks it. Why? Because little things, little details matter. This is why integrity matters so much in our lives. Because there might be the area where we want to take the shortcut, or there might be the area where we think, that's just a little secret. And every other area of my life is operating in the way it should, but I've got this little secret, and I'm just going to compartmentalize it over here. But what we realize and what we recognize eventually is that it doesn't work that way. And we can't compartmentalize and we can't keep the little secret or the little shortcut over to the side. It infiltrates everything. It infiltrates every area of our lives. Integrity matters. The details of our lives matter. Because what we think is just off to the side doesn't stay off to the side. It infiltrates everything. And the picture that Solomon gives us of this is of this giant thing of perfume that's ruined because of the scent of some dead flies. 
And you think of how small the body of a fly is, and yet what the odor that that body is able to produce. Dead flies ruin the perfume. The details in your life, they matter. So as people that love and follow after God, be people of integrity. Don't take shortcuts. Don't have the little areas of your life that don't align with, with the life that God has called you to live and just think, well, that's just a little secret. That's just over here, and that's not going to hurt anything else because that will infiltrate every part of your life. Be people of integrity. The details matter. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Every Republican right now is just underlining like you cannot believe, all right? A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. Here's what we all know about life. Fools are obvious. You know You know when you've been in the presence of stupidity. You don't need anybody to tell you. You already know it. Stupid declares itself for everyone to see. You don't have to sit back and scratch your head and wonder, huh, was was that why? You just know it. It's on full display. Fools are obvious. They're obvious. And this is why... It is so important, and we we talked about it just a couple weeks ago, but this is why it is so important that in life you weigh your critics and you don't count them. You weigh your critics and you don't count them because we we live in a time where we value equality. We live in a time where we say everybody's equal, but everyone's opinion is not equal. There are people who are wise, and there are people who are fools. And fools are obvious to everyone. It is obvious to everyone when they have encountered a fool. Everyone knows it. In the South, they have a saying, it's bless your heart. If if you are in the South and you hear bless your heart a little bit, it just means you're dumb. That's what it means. It means you're dumb. Now, in in Wisconsin, we don't necessarily have a saying like that. We just wait till you turn around. Then we we say it to each other and give each other the look and, and the nod. I mean, we don't even need to say something some of the times because... When we see, when we see stupidity, when we see fools, it's on display. It's not hard to recognize, and it's not hard to realize. It is obvious to all. But we live in a time that that wants to value. So we say, well, everyone has an opinion, and everybody does have an opinion. But everyone's opinion is not equal. And this is why you have to be incredibly wise about who you listen to. Weigh your critics. Don't count them, because there is more foolishness on display than wisdom. Be wise. Be wise about who you listen to. Be wise about the input that you take to heart. Don't just hear criticism and think, well, it's, it's coming from the masses. Weigh your critics. Don't count them, because fools are obvious, and they have opinions too. And they will readily share them. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place. For calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Don't be quick to pick a fight and don't overreact. Don't be quick to pick a fight and don't overreact. 
in your marriages. Don't be quick to pick a fight and don't overreact. In your parenting, don't be quick to pick a fight and don't overreact. In your workplace environment, don't be quick to pick a fight and don't overreact. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up dissension. And we live in a time where everybody wants to win the argument. Everybody wants to win, win the argument, and, and they just want to, and, and we've seen this on, on all kinds of forms of media, where it doesn't even matter about substance so much as who gets in the last word or, or who, can, who can just be heard more than anybody else. Just remember, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up dissension. And if you want to live a life, a life of wisdom, if you want to live a life where the details matter, don't be quick to pick a fight. And don't overreact. Every day you're going to have the choice. And every day, if you want to live a life of wisdom, don't be quick to pick the fight. And don't overreact. Because it might be fun to pick the fight. And it might be fun to overreact in some situations. But that is not the way of wisdom. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun. As it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. Solomon's looking over the course of his life. He's looking out. He's looking at society as he sees it. He says, there is something that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. He says, this is what it is. There are people out here who are acting like a big deal, who aren't a big deal at all. And could you imagine what Solomon's commentary would be in the age of social media? Like, can you imagine what the commentary would be like now, where everybody wants to be an influencer, and everybody wants to tell everybody else how big of a deal they are? We have idolized celebrity and fame in our culture. We have put it on this pedestal. Never mind, we have story after story after story of looking at all those who've been placed on the pedestal of celebrity and fame, and we have seen how their lives have gone. We have seen people who should have every convenience and every benefit at their disposal, but who are some of the most miserable, unsatisfied people that you could ever find. And yet, we still worship this idea of celebrity and importance in our society. And so everybody on social media wants to be an influencer. Everybody wants to be a big deal. And Solomon says, I look out and I see people acting like they're a big deal who've accomplished absolutely nothing in their life. He's like, it makes no sense. And I just want to encourage you that if you love and follow after God, I just want to remind you that you don't live your life for an audience of hundreds or thousands or millions you live your life for an audience of one. And if you are consumed with being an influencer, if you are consumed with celebrity and fame, and you're constantly worried about having fans and, and being followed by people, that is the fastest way. That is the fastest way to live a life where you feel frustrated. That is the fastest way to live a life where you never feel like you are enough. And we see it in person after person. In our society. So I just want to encourage you, as people that love and follow after God, remind yourself that your life 
is to be lived for an audience of one. And let the results fall where they may. But don't chase after celebrity. Don't chase after fame. How many stories, how many examples do we need to, to just prove that it's never going to satisfy and it's never going to fulfill? And it's not new. Social media is just the latest avenue that it's taken. We see it back here in Solomon's time that he looks out and he sees it in his day and age. Before there was an internet, before any, everybody, had the, everybody had the phone in their pocket, and yet, it's just something about human nature that, once again, that social media puts on display for all to see. And so, again, as people that love and follow after God, live your life for an audience of one and let the results fall where they may. Stop living your life trying to impress people. and Just be authentic. Just be who you are. Be who God has made you to be. Quit worrying about trying to be impressive. And instead, spend your time and your energy and your focus on being authentic and leave the results up to God. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt... And one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Be wise in how you live. Be wise in how you live. If you scheme, you're, you will be caught. If you scheme, you will be caught. I love reading the tales on the internet of the world's dumbest criminals, of the people who, who thought, I've got a great plan that's, that no one's ever going to figure out. And then you look at the plan and you're like, everybody knew that was not going to go well. And it's comical to, to read back those accounts after the fact that they've happened. But sometimes you have criminals who are actually pretty wise and who devise a scheme that's actually pretty ingenious. And it takes years and years, and it's just the smallest, most minute detail, the most minuscule thing that trips them up. But make no mistake, if you scheme, if you scheme, you will be caught. He says wisdom, wisdom produces better results. Wisdom produces better results. And this is something that every wife understands at her core. Because every wife has had that conversation with their husband about the project that he's about to begin. And as they dig in and learn more details, they just know that the scope of this is larger than maybe is, is seen on the other side. And as they continue to ask questions and discover the way that this project is going to go about being solved, that it's not going to end well only to have that conversation and be told at the conclusion of that conversation something along the lines of, it's fine, I got this, don't worry about it. Only to in fact discover at the end it is indeed not fine, it was indeed not handled, and now there is a more expensive product, uh, project, a broken tool, or maybe even a trip to the hospital in play as a result of the fact that wisdom did was not factored in and there was a better way there was a better result if only it had 
been followed. Wisdom produces better results. Wisdom produces better results. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. And here yet again in Scripture, what we see in full detail is the fact that there is no such thing as a good snake. We see it right here on full display. And some of you have come up to me and you have shared with me that you have pet snakes for some reason. And I want you to know, I pray for everyone who's part of Lakeside. But I pray even more for you because there is something wrong with you. I love you still, but I don't, like there is nothing ever that we see in scripture beneficial about the snake. And so I just naturally wonder, why are there serpent charmers to begin with? If you see a snake, kill it. That is the only proper response. And if you're like, it's not poisonous, I don't care. It's still not good. Well, they eat rodents. Mouse traps work just fine. We no longer have a need for them. Let's eradicate the problem of snakes. Let's just get rid of them. Extinct great we can tell future generations what we did and if they 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 would applaud us all right i promise you that they would applaud us there's no such thing as a good snake <laughs> the point is this not only is the fact that there's no such thing as a good snake but be careful about who you surround yourself with be careful about who you surround yourself with be careful about who you're willing to go into business with be careful about who your close friends are I just want to pause here, and, and I just want to encourage, especially those of you who are dating right now, don't date someone to fix someone. Don't date someone to fix someone. And I know your intentions are great, and I know that you love the other person, but I promise you this, you're not going to fix them. You, you, can't, you can't fix yourself. You're not going to fix somebody else. And, and I've seen what happens, and, and I've had the counseling times, and, and I've, I've had the conversations, and I know your intentions are well, and I know that you love the other person, but don't date someone to fix someone. That is a path to heartache. That is a path to headache. It is a path to make your life incredibly difficult. Don't date someone to fix someone. Be incredibly careful about who you surround yourself with. Be incredibly careful about who you love. Be wise about the people that you place in your circle of influence. Be wise about the people that you invite into your life. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? The reality is this. Wisdom, wisdom is also easily identifiable. In the same way that foolishness and stupidity is on full display for everyone to see, Wisdom is also on full display for everyone to see. And when you have an encounter with someone who's wise, you don't need somebody else to tell you that. You already know. It's already abundantly clear that wisdom is easily identifiable. And, and I just want to encourage you that, especially in, in this time and age where we have all the information, 
available at our fingertips, and there's kind of this expectation that, that we have to constantly be able to give an answer for, for any question that's asked. I just want to encourage you to just be honest, be upfront, and admit what you don't know. It's okay to not know things. Admit what you don't know. Because you may be able to fake it for a little bit, but eventually it's going to be discovered. And there's nothing worse than someone who doesn't know something going through the motions, acting like they know. There is no shame in just saying, I don't know that. And if you are, that's, that's a sign of humility. And if you're willing to be humble and admit what you don't know, what I have found is if you go find somebody who knows what you don't know, and you are honest about that fact, and you approach somebody who is wise in the areas that your wisdom is lacking, who has knowledge in things that you don't know, and you approach that person and you ask them questions, they are more than happy to sit down and explain the answers to your questions. Now, don't just go up to them and say, hey, tell me things. Like, give them some direction. If, if they're an expert, they're busy. So ask them a couple specific questions, and then once they give you answers, actually follow through on those answers. Go and do what they say to do. If something doesn't work, follow up and ask them a follow-up question. Hey, I tried this, and it didn't work. Do you know why? Or explain to them a new question that you have as a result of, of fault. And I have found that people are incredibly willing, incredibly generous with their time and willing to share their expertise and their experience much more than, than for somebody who acts like they know everything and then finds themselves in a mess all because they lack the humility initially to just say, I don't know. None of us are going to know everything. Just because we have all the information at our fingertips does not mean we're going to have all the experience and all the expertise in every area that we need. So this is why it's important for us to just admit the things that we don't know. There is no shame in that whatsoever. But to find somebody who is wise to take specific questions to them and to ask them to share their wisdom. Admit what you don't know. The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. A lack of wisdom is exhausting. A lack of wisdom is exhausting. Sometimes it's exhausting because we've just pretended like we know everything that we don't know. And then what happens is that snowballs and that snowballs, and then we find ourselves in a really big mess, all because we've been pretending the whole time. And then it just blows up in our faces. Sometimes a lack of wisdom is exhausting because we have those little areas in our lives that we've compartmentalized, those little shortcuts that we've taken, those little secrets. And they start to infiltrate the other areas of our life that, that we convinced ourselves wasn't going to happen, but it starts to happen. And then we catch ourselves, and, and so we've got to lie. And then we've got to pretend to be something that we're not. There's nothing more exhausting than that. And then we just, we just find ourselves in lie after lie after lie. A lack of wisdom is exhausting. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not 
for drunkenness. Leadership matters. Leadership matters. Everything rises and falls on leadership. If you are in a position of leadership right now, you have to be wise. You have to live your life as a person of integrity. Don't take the shortcuts. Don't have those little areas of secrecy in your life. Weigh your critics. Don't just count them. Recognize that everyone has opinions. Really wise people have opinions. Listen to those. Really foolish people have opinions. Disregard those. They will not be helpful in the end. If you lead, bring about peace. Diffuse situations. Don't overreact. Remember that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up dissension. Lead in such a way. Lead in such a way. Lead that you are willing to admit what you don't know and surround yourself with people on your team who are smarter than you. Don't be threatened by other people succeeding. Find the best people that you can possibly find and put them on your team and celebrate their success. Encourage them to go win. Leadership matters. If you're not in a leadership position right now, make sure you spend your life surrounded by good leaders. Make sure you're following somebody that you should follow. Make sure you find yourself in an environment that's healthy. You make sure you find yourself in an environment that you enjoy being a part of. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Leadership matters. Through sloth, the root sinks in. And through indolence, the house leaks. Laziness is catastrophic. Laziness is catastrophic. We just tend to think, ah, Laziness is just going to hinder me a little bit. No, 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 no. Laziness is absolutely catastrophic. Indolence, which is avoidance due to laziness, that will absolutely wreck it. It will wreck whatever you're part of. Laziness is a really big deal. Now, I just want to take a time out here, and I just want to pause, because in our culture, we have two incredible extremes. One is a laziness that, that just doesn't want to do anything. And the other is we've kind of idolized this mentality of no margin in your life. Work seven days a week, 16 hours a day. And, and we celebrate that. And, and so I just want to be crystal clear that rest is not laziness. Rest is not laziness. Rest is part of the original rhythm that God created when he created this world. There's a reason that God rested, and it wasn't because God is tired. Rest is actually a gift that God has, has given to us, and it refocuses us, and it retrains us, and, and it is something that God has given as a blessing and a benefit to us. So rest is not laziness. They are distinct. And as people that love and follow Jesus, our challenge is to live in that balance, to live in the rhythm of rest that God created when he created everything, but to also reject laziness. Laziness wastes the opportunities and the time that God has given us because he's given us but one life. And when we are lazy, we are wasting that which God has created us to accomplish and achieve so we must live in the rhythm of rest we have to reject this notion of, of being a workaholic 
And yet, we must equally reject this idea that, that laziness is acceptable. That God has given us all passions and desires and gifts and that we have one life and we should make it count. So laziness is a really big deal and it's an affront to our creator. Bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. He says, enjoy life and the benefits that it brings. Enjoy life and the benefits that it brings. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. Guard your thoughts. Guard what you fixate on. Guard what you think about. Guard where your mind is focused. Guard your thoughts. And as people that love and follow Jesus, I just want to encourage you to not live your life with hair in your feet. To recognize that all of these details, though they're small, these details matter. To not take shortcuts. To not have those secrets. But to live lives of integrity. To understand that everyone has an opinion. To listen to the counsel of the wise. To provide a gentle answer. And to diffuse situations where we can. To use the time that God has given us to impact this world. To not waste our lives. But instead, to live them, and to live them in wisdom. Because the details of our lives, they matter. To recognize that leadership is important. And if God has put us in leadership positions to lead really well, and if we're followers, to make sure we're in circumstances and situations where we follow people, to lead us ultimately where we should Go. And in everything, to recognize that the little choices, they matter. Because they have big consequences. And God has given us one life. So we should live it to make the most God, I pray that we would be people who honor you in the small choices, who live lives of integrity, who do what is right, who surround ourselves with wise people, and we will make wise choices as a result of that, God, that we would be people of peace. I pray, God, that we would use each and every day that you've given to us, and we would see it for the gift that it is. we would desire to honor you with each day that we're given. I pray, God, that we would be wise about who we love. I pray that we would be wise 
about where we work and what we do at work. I pray that we would be wise in our friendships. I pray, God, that we would live lives where we recognize that all these little things are really important. And God, that we would be fixated on honoring you. Not on trying to build the, the biggest following that we can. Not on trying to be an influencer. But in being faithful to the opportunities that you've given us and the work that you've called us to do. That for those in this room who lead, that they would lead their teams really well. They would lead their families really well. And those that follow, they would follow good leadership. They would follow really well. God, use our lives for your glory, we ask. And I pray that we would never lose sight of the little choices that we make each and every day. Help us honor you in the big things, God, but also in those small choices. That you would be glorified through our lives, Jesus. In your name we pray.